The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. It sure does. Fast Money does start right now. We are live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York's Times Square. I'm Michelle Caruso Cabrera. Our traders on the desk, Tim Seymour, Brian Kelly, Steve Grasso, Guy Adami. Tonight on Fast, yeah. looks like Wall Street is turning its back on Tesla. But the stock making a big turnaround at the end of the day to end the day higher. What is behind that move? We've got all those details. Plus, it is the greatest bull market ever. This week, making it the longest run in history. Wow. So what do you do? Wow. Do you keep betting on the stocks that got us here? Traders are going to weigh in. First, though, we start with breaking news. President Trump taking on the Federal Reserve and its chair, Jerome Powell, again. Let's go to Eamon Javers at the White House for the details. Eamon. Yeah, Michelle, some criticism here from the president of the Fed chair. This coming in an interview with Reuters earlier this afternoon. It was an off-camera interview, but a couple of the key points here from the president. He says uh, that he's not thrilled with Jerome Powell for raising interest rates. Uh, the president uh, critical here, saying that the Fed should be more accommodating. He says, I should be getting more help from the Federal Reserve in terms of the economy and says he will continue to criticize the Fed if it continues raising rates. So the president here uh, sort of unshackling himself from the recent norm uh, over the past couple of decades in which presidents really didn't criticize the Fed or tried to shy away from being critical of the, of the Fed and going back to a pattern that we've seen you know, going back 30, 40 years or more in which presidents engaged in sort of semi-open warfare with the Fed. That's where this president uh, has found himself going into these midterm elections. The president uh, very critical of Jerome Powell, frustrated uh, with the raising of rates and worried uh, that it might hurt the the economic recovery, which the president views as the centerpiece of his agenda here in office at the White House, Michelle. Yeah, absolutely. Eamon Javers, thank you so much. Eamon Javers yeah. at the White House. So will the president's tough rhetoric impact the Fed's next move? And if the Fed starts hiking, are we in as much trouble as Trump thinks? Guy Dami, what do you think of the president telling well, Jerome Powell uh, what he thinks? Always great to have you on. Always yeah, a you. pleasure oh, to be here. Oh, uh, Michelle, you, well, you, you've been about away me. as well. I, I apologize. I apologize. <laughs> I'm right here. Hi, Tim. I'm right here. Case here. I've been we, here the whole time. So everybody I but guys have been doing, but I've been here the whole time. Good it's gone. Right. So to answer your question, will it affect the Federal Reserve decision? Absolutely not. There's no way it affects their decisions, in my opinion. The Fed has been extraordinarily transparent. I think they'll do what they need to do. They will act to the extent that the data suggests they should act. Number, one. Number two, by the way, not to get political, but when President Trump was candidate Trump, oh, yeah. he criticized the Fed for the exact opposite reasons. So you sort of can't have it both ways. If I were president, which I'm not, I'd say, you know what? The economy is doing so well <laughs> under my administration that it makes perfect sense that this Federal Reserve would be raising rates. It might not behoove us in the short term, but this is a long-term gain. I think they should remain and, independent and do what the data and suggests. And that's the point, because Larry Kudlow was on the air on Friday saying the economy's crushing it. So under those circumstances, it's okay for rates to raise. I agree with you, Guy. I think there's very little chance that the Fed, in fact, I think the chance is probably 0, 0.0 that the Fed actually acts on this. In fact, How would you I, know? Think Powell, I think Powell How probably... How would you know, though? Well, hang on a second. Let me finish my sentence instead of just saying stuff over and over. How would you know? Powell, How would you know? How would you know? Powell would sooner quit <laughs> than okay. actually have monetary policy impacted by this. But here's the thing. To Steve's point, 
how do you ever know? If there's a moment where it's questionable, should they or shouldn't they? Are listen, they or won't if they? The economy, if they don't, you think, oh, maybe they listen to the president. If, if, they, if they do, wait, 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 let me finish. Okay. If they do raise rates at a time we think it's questionable, you think, wow, maybe they're trying to tell the president something. Like, there's this whole layer of psychology I, 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 that has been added I think there's to the no, I think No, I don't think that happens whatsoever. I think if our economy is so fragile that 25 basis points is going to destroy the whole thing, then we don't have a good economy at all. Yeah, I, I think to that point, though, you don't know whether it was going to be two or three. There is some room to digest it and say, hey, maybe, just maybe, you don't know how it affected that gray area. So I don't right. know if we'll ever know. The counterfactual well, right. is, a, is a hard, slippery slope. So, And we know that this president's going to get out there and do unconventional things and say unconventional things and push on institutions, frankly, that aren't used to getting this kind of push. Uh, fact of the matter is the Fed has moved five times since he's been in office. Two of them have been under Powell. Um, if they're moving, it's because the economy is in great places, as everybody says. If they're, if they're not moving, they should also be thinking about the impact of higher ta of tariffs and the impact on inflation, because we absolutely have inflation coming through the pipeline. And if you listen to every regional Fed president, if you look at what the, the numbers that are feeding through on ISM and other kind of price inflation, not out of control, we have though. inflation. Well, we're at 10-year highs on, on CPI, Steve. So, I mean, you but, tell but me. It's not, but I mean, I think, I think we... No, I think there's room. I'm not saying it's run away. Right. And, and here's the other thing that I would... Take the side of the president on. If you think about it, what are people always most critical about the Fed? Is that they are a step late and they ultimately push us into recession because they're too aggressive with the economy when they should be taking their foot off the pedal. Bottom line here is this Fed needs to continue to normalize. We're not even in a Fed cycle but, right now. Hold this on. You, you got to a very interesting provocative place. Let's put aside whether or not the president should or should not say anything. Is he right, though, ultimately, mm. that they shouldn't? Be raising right. You're a historian. Look, look at when we've raised it in the past. We've raised it in the face of that financial collapse, whether it was Greenspan. There was an aggressive nature to it. And to Tim's point, there's a lot of times the Fed's been behind the eight ball. And then they try to make up for it. And they make up for yep. it. So at this point, do they do too much in the face of an inverted yield curve or pending inverted yield Don't curve? Don't you think that's a huge risk to the stock market? It is a huge risk. It's been a risk we've been talking about for a while. So I'm glad you mentioned that as well, because, again, I'm trying not to get political here, but this is an administration that has said from day one, the stock market is a report card for how we are doing, right? If the stock market were to ever go down, now he is put in a place where he can blame the Federal Reserve. Wasn't my fault. Wasn't this administration's fault. The Which crooked Federal Reserve has done. So, fine. It's, so I'm just, my point is... That's given him now air cover that if the market were to go down, he'd take zero blame. But let's focus in on that core risk. Could interest rates go up too much and hurt this market? Well, let's rates should be going up and stock markets should not be expanding their multiple. The S&P multiple should not be expanding in a Fed hiking cycle. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be buying stocks here. And in fact, I think that the economy has been very supportive of consumer stocks and discretionary. And there are parts uh, of the rotation process in the market we should be following. But the Fed should absolutely be doing what they're doing. Let's be clear. I mean, they have two mandates. They have an inflation mandate and they have a growth mandate. Right now, I think the growth mandate's doing just fine. If anything, folks, it's time to look at inflation. It is feeding through. We're at 10-year highs on core. I mean, it is what it is. The, the biggest threat to this market is a strong dollar. We've had a bit of a strong dollar, and look what it's done to the emerging markets. If the dollar continues to strengthen, that is the biggest risk. To me, I've said it before, I'll say it again. The dollar is the new VIX for this market. The 10-year has been, the, a yield on a yield basis has been coming in, and the market is flirting with all-time highs. 
So when you, when you sit here and say they're doing what they should be doing, I agree. If the market's growing, then rates should rise. But you can't always have exactly that scenario. And I do believe that people come on every day and talk about an inverted yield curve. That is the worry of this market. That doesn't control the tenure. All right. Let's, let's also be clear about this. And, and if it was nine months ago, we were whinging and being, you were very concerned about a 3% tenure. Right now, the market wants to see a 3% tenure. But the QE tenure, okay? is about the long it's, end it's, of the curve, right? The unwind is yes. going to affect the long end of the curve, well, for sure. But, but the unwind of QE is, is, is not in question, this, right? We, we know what's going on. QE, uh, that's, that's, that's done. I mean, ultimately, we're getting to a place where the balance sheet is, is shrinking. That's the second part of this whole thing. You've got tightening coming from both sides. Brian also brought up, look, the tightening that's coming from the dollar is, is one of the big issues right now. And I, and I I would ultimately say that the Fed can actually impact the dollar implicitly, although they would, again, never talk about it. The dollar it. was impacted by the president today. It fell on his comments. Fascinating, today. right? I mean, again, maybe other presidents have talked about it. Maybe it's just a different time where things are 24-7. We hear it. I'm surprised that he continues to sort of double down on this whole you know, really? How, uh, oh, we got I, by the way, by the way oh, absolutely. He is where a dog the with a bone. Why what are you talking it? about? Where, you look particularly swarthy, but where, where did you spend time this past week? I was out east. You were in the Hamptons. East. Also where the president was. Yes, where apparently he was at a party. Not together. Where you were a not lot at the of this whisper, no. was, this was coming through to markets last night. So um, the fact of the matter is he has let it be known, and he let it be known at that party. I wasn't at that party either, Of, of a, of a no, weaker dollar? Bottom line he's, is, he's let it be known before he was elected. No, but, but no, that he was that he going was, after he, the Fed he again. He went after the and Fed at the Hamptons fundraiser. that I think was surprising yet not. A guest has joined the set for more mm. on the Fed and what it could right mean for the market. Let's bring in Jonathan Golub. He's chief U.S. equity strategist for Credit, Credit Suisse. Good to have you here. Good to be here. Were you at that party? I was not <laughs> at the party. Um, <laughs> who was at that party? I'm, I'm wondering, like, who is he whispering to that he actually thinks is going to influence anything? There's no, I mean, I, I agree. But he's the president There's of the no, United States. He says it out loud. He's the leader of the free world. Jay Powell's going to hear him. I mean, out there. And, you know, and, it's, and it's, it's, like a, it's like telling a jury after the fact. I think, Michelle, you said this is if, in fact, they do pause because the data does get a little bit sloppy or the curve starts to invert and, they be, and the Fed wants to take their foot off the pedal, people are going to say, ah, did the president cause it? But absolutely not. It is, there's no way that the Fed is going to let this influence them. Are you worried, though? Does the president, put aside the fact that he's yeah. the president, does he have a point to be worried about the Fed getting too aggressive? If they raise four or five more times from now, yeah, then he would have a point. But right now, where interest rates are, they're, they're just too low. This economy is doing incredibly well. But if the well, economy right. continues to perform and right. they continue to raise rates, you're still on board with you could raise rates until they're blue in the face. At some oh, point, that's what it's got to it's got that's it. there's, a, there's a tipping point. I think that we're good, and, and, I, and I think your point is right. The, the long end of the curve is what matters to the markets, not the short end. The ten, when the tenure hits something like 3.5%, then you start taking a bite out. Between now and then, it's a signal to everyone that things are healthy. And we also forget this is really good for retirees and savers who have a little bit extra yield. That you know supports consumption. We've seen that the savings rate is up. Giving people you know more money to spend isn't a bad thing. So yeah, I, I don't think this is. What are you telling people to do right here? Oh, for, I mean, this, this is really this is really simple. The U.S. technology U.S. regionally is is the win. Technology stocks are the win, and stocks are a win right now. Still, still, and still. Because, I mean, Absolutely. everything you just said, we've outperformed Europe. I mean, we're, we're at a two, three standard deviation moment in terms of the outperformance of the S&P right. to the rest of the world. Wouldn't it be time to say, hey, I think this is a little overdone? If you're, if you're looking at the price action, yes. If you're looking at the fundamentals, 
on earnings, we're growing at three times faster than Europe. If you take out all of the tax benefits, we're growing at twice as fast as Europe in terms of EPS. Mm -hmm. If you look at our economy, our economy is growing twice as fast, and they have no technology sector. So I think that this thing is going to continue to run. And yes, we're more expensive, but we're delivering more, and we're less volatile. What kind of technology? Are you talking about FANG? What, what? Be yeah, more I mean, specific. I mean, so if you're looking at, yeah, I think that we'll call it new technology. But in, just in general, if you look at technology broadly defined, I think that what we're missing is the addressable markets on these stocks are so big. I mean, look at the, you know, the, let's say the, the sales of Amazon compared to the sales of Walmart. It's a third. Where is that going to be in five, ten years from now? Equal, twice as big, but much, much, much bigger. Whereas if you take a look at online advertising, which is way less than half of advertising, what's it going to be in five or seven years? How big is the cloud today compared to what it's going to be in right. five years? I think we're missing the story here. Tech right now is 30 percent of the S&P. Five, seven years from now, it'll be 40 to 50 percent. And that's oh. the story. So, so this week or the past week, we saw Walmart move sharply higher, right. all of retail, but still, <clears throat> Amazon versus Walmart, you say? Well, the, re the, the sales numbers are, are killing it on, on, the, on the side of, of Amazon and okay. online. Um, I think what you have going for all of retail is the economy is so good that the consumer is spending more money. And that's the story there. But the long-term story is a reallocation of how we spend. My quick question would be, yeah. everything's great, okay, fine. What's the existential risk, and there has to be one, or at least one? Well, it's the one you're talking about here. Inflation eventually is going to bite us. The economy doesn't, you know, run with a 3.9 unemployment rate growing this fast without inflation eventually showing up. And it, it's either the Fed kills it, or what happens is, is that it squeezes profit margins because companies have to pay more out to the it. workers, and you're already seeing them complaining. So it's not an issue now. Is it a year? Is it a year and a half? At some point, it's going to bite us, but it's not today. Jonathan, always good to have you on. All right. Jonathan Golub, joining us from Credit Suisse. Um, well, I'll tell you what, Jonathan brought up a really interesting point when he talked about the rest of the world doesn't have, or Europe doesn't have a tech sector. I don't want to, we've goodbyed the guests, so I'm not going to bring him back in, guy. Um, but bottom line is, if you think about other parts of the tech sphere globally that have been beaten up, and as you know, I kind of live in some of those places. If you look at Chinese tech, or if you look at some of the tech in, in other parts of the emerging world, um, the same argument should be held, and I think a lot of that stuff is way overdone. We've rebounded significantly in the last couple of days. S&P has to now test those levels that we saw back in January, which I think were about 30 handles so away. So I can continue to think it grinds higher. But again, getting back to the president, you know, I think he's just setting himself up for air cover if, in fact, the market would ever go down, on top of which, talking about currency manipulators, gives them air cover for the whole tariff things as well. So in some ways, it's brilliant that he's bringing this up. In other ways, it's very scary. Coming up, it is the greatest bull run ever. Yes, it's official. So do you keep betting on the stocks that got us here? Or are there other names to buy? We've got those details. Plus, it's looking more and more dire for celebrity CEO Elon Musk. And with <laughs> funding secured, still in doubt, can Tesla go it alone? Later, Guy Adami is stepping up to the plate. There's one energy stock that's up 150% in the past year, and he thinks it's got more room to run. He'll give us his fast pitch. We're live from Times Square, New York City, and there's much more fast money right after this. You seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. 
Welcome back to Fast Money. Tesla seeing a huge reversal today, ending the session higher after being down as much as 5%. Phil Lebeau is in Chicago with more. Hey, Phil. Hey, Michelle. What a reversal by Tesla today, especially when you looked at it pre-market. You were thinking, wow, it's going to be down in that 289, 290 range. And that's because of the note that came out overnight and early this morning from J.P. Morgan. And J.P. Morgan saying, look, we had it at 308. We're bringing them back to 195. And the reason why? They talk about the fact that there's no deal that's locked in for potentially going private, saying that any deal is potentially far from even being formally proposed. As a result, they're saying, look, focus on the fundamentals. And in J.P. Morgan's opinion, the fundamentals mean this stock should be valued at 195. Citi also out with a note today talking about Tesla. And in that note, Citi brought up the prospect of when will Tesla potentially ask for more rounds of funding or another round of capital raise and would that be sooner rather than later since this company will likely not be going private anytime soon. All of this comes on a day when people continue asking how much interest does Saudi Arabia have in potentially investing in Tesla. That's because of a report by Reuters where they essentially said look we believe that the Saudi investment fund according to the sources who talked with Reuters will be making an investment in Lucid. The Chinese electric vehicle company, again, that's a report that has not been confirmed by anybody else. At the same time, the discussions with Tesla are unclear and it has people saying, well, wait a second, if they're going to invest in Lucid, would they also invest in Tesla? Probably not. And just remember this, guys, when it comes to electric vehicles, Tesla is not the only play in town. There was the IPO filing or the filing for an IPO that came on Friday from this company. Might be a little hard to see this video, but that is an electric vehicle by the Chinese company NIO. They are looking to raise $1.8 billion. They plan to have the uh, IPO uh, with the New York Stock Exchange. They started sales in June, so they don't have many of these vehicles sold. And in fact, this uh, last year, they lost $759 million. But remember, guys, China is ground zero for when people, the, the electric vehicle companies, that's where they're targeting. So NIO being a Chinese-based company, and the fact that they're looking to IPO on the NYSE, that's going to get a fair amount of attention. Yeah, new competition nipping at, at Tesla's heels all the time. I chuckled when you raised the question about are they going to have to do a capital raise. It feels so old-fashioned and quaint to ask that question <laughs> in the wake of the tweet, which is now cast this whole shadow over the company. Right. And, and there are, there's another report out this afternoon uh, that says uh, as recently as the last six weeks, or six weeks into this quarter, that the cash rate might be down, the cash cushion might be down to 1.7 billion, 1.69 billion. That's according to the Wall Street Journal. So that's going to fuel another round of questions where people mm -hmm. will say, okay, how much money do they have? Can they, can they squeak by this quarter? At some point, if you're going to be adding these factories, Michelle, you know, it's very capital intensive. You're going to have to probably do another round of uh, raising capital. Right, right. Running's expensive. That's why people were so doubtful about taking a private in the first place. Phil, thanks so much. Bill Bell, let's trade it. Tim Seymour, what, so, what do you think about this stock? Well, I, mean, I, I think it's it, I think it's been absurd what's gone on in the last you know ten days in this stock. And I, it, it, so forget it. You know, let's just say that this is off the table. J.P. Morgan did the right thing on the way up. They reported what they thought was look, CEO out there saying I've got secure financing. 
If he says it, we have to believe it. Today, they're unwinding that. Good for them. Again, the way they price this company, which I think is smart. Half of it's DCF, which is a discounted cash flow model. Half of it's earnings-based multiples. Either way, stock's expensive. Let's get back to, let's get back to valuation, folks. The, the, the critical part here is these guys go on mass market means massive execution, and I think massive execution risks. So uh, we know always great company, the CEO great products, but I mean, bottom line here, the valuation makes zero sense. You always bought the CEO. So when Phil talks about competition, it's never been about competition. There's others that do it well. There's others that maybe even do it better than Tesla. But he was the first guy to make a cool vehicle that was conscious of the environment. And people but it was wanted to the, buy even regardless of whether or not Regardless it was of valuation. Yes. And now his asset has become a liability. I've been in. I'm out. I sold it up 12%. Thank you very much. My chips are off the table. Well, the thing is, the, the only way that this company really does well, they bring in an operator. We talked about it last week. You need to bring in a CEO, have Elon be your visionary founder, but bring in an operating CEO, somebody who's been from the auto industry who can execute at scale, which we clearly can't do now. Elon's got too much on his plate, but you still need to have Elon there. I agree with Grasso. The reason oh, why you buy Tesla is for his vision. Right if he goes without him. Well, yes, yeah. absolutely. No, no he, he needs to be there. Here's something else that the bulls hate hearing. The stock is largely sideways. Yeah, that's sideways over the last four years. All right. The other thing, risk reward, you have to play in volatility. The stock has had four drawdowns of 18% or better, one being 36% since January. I mean, is this really a stock you want to play around in? And again, if you hold it, it's done nothing. If you trade he it, used to get the be very the doubt. He clearly no longer gets that. And the, the, the shine is definitely off at this point. And investors aren't looking to put all their eggs in Elon's basket anymore. It's, it's not... It's not the point. I love playing the volatility. So when Tim talks about it's flat, there's been opportunities. But he points out it's been very volatile. They've been, been very volatile. It's traded the right. stock. Right. Guys hit the levels uh, perfectly around that 280 level where the stock bounces. That's what happened today in the mid 280s. He's had the levels, but it's a tradable stock. That's it. Listen, when he put out that tweet, I thought for sure there was something behind it. And I said when it was 375 or so that I thought the stock was absolutely going to trade up to 420. Here we are $75 later, and it's a $300 stock. But, so play that game. But if you just look at it today in terms of the way the stock traded, I think to Phil's point, it actually traded pretty well today. I mean, it opened at 291, close to 305 on decent volume. That's not bad. Steve mentioned the levels. Levels continue to hold. But, you know, when you've been wrong for so long over such a quick amount of time, you got to take a step back. But if you were looking today in a vacuum, it probably held where it should have needed to hold. All right, coming up, the biggest prize in eSports history is up for grabs, $25 million. Wow. Uh-huh. You get a lot of money for playing video wow. games these days. I'd We're going to talk to the defending champs about how they plan to bring home the trophy for the second year in a row. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast. Guys bringing the heat. Pitching on oil and gas stock that's up 150% in one year. And Guy sees even more gain. He'll give you the pitch. Plus, with stocks on the cusp of their longest bull market ever, the traders will tell you which names you can still ride and which you should buck when Fast Money returns. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. What's on the horizon for financial markets? 
At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Fast Money. Two more days until the current bull market ranks as the longest in history, marking more than a 300% gain in the S&P 500 over that time. So what got us here and where are we headed next? Right. Bob Pisani live at the NYC with more on that. Hey, Bob. Hello, Michelle. The current bull market began March 9, 2009. The S&P closed at 676. That was the bear market low. The S&P 500 is up, as Michelle said, more than 300% since then. But several stocks have been mega performers with Netflix and Ulta Beauty up more than 5,500%. That's not a typo. United Rental up nearly 5,000%. Amazon up 3,000. NVIDIA up almost 2,900. But remember something. The S&P is a market cap weighted index. So the bigger the market cap, the more it can move the markets. The companies that contributed to the biggest gain to the S&P 500 are first Apple. No surprise there. They accounted for 4.1% of the S&P's gains since 2009. One stock. Followed by Microsoft, 2.4%. J.P. Morgan, 1.9%. General Electric, 1.7%. Wells Fargo, 1.5%. Amazon, by the way, is sixth at 1.4% for the gains. By the way, believe it or not, there's some big losers, particularly among the commodity stocks. Fertilizer giant Mosaic, oil producer Apache, gold producer Newmont, copper producer Freeport McMoran. They're still down since 2009. All right, so what does all of this mean? What will it take to reverse gears and head into a bear market? So technically, for a bear market to end, a uh, bull market to end, the stock market would have to decline by 20% or more. That's the bear market. The Fed and recessions are the two big killers of bull markets. Those are it. Stocks will typically move down well before a recession starts. But Tom McClellan, old market watcher, a friend of mine, points out that the Fed can often kill a bull market when it gets too aggressive. What does that mean, too aggressive? Typically, it happens when the Fed, when, uh, the Fed moves the Fed funds target rate, now at one and three quarters to two percent, above the two-year yield. That's currently 2.6 percent. The bottom line is it looks like the Fed's got a little more room to move before sounding like they get too aggressive. Back to you, Michelle. Writing that down, Bob, 2.6%. Thank you. All, All right. right, so cue the Western music, because we thought <laughs> this would be the perfect time for a bull market rodeo. Here's how this is going to work. I'm going to give you a stock. Let's use Amazon as an example. You and if guy? you think right. it's going higher, you say, keep riding. <laughs> yeah, <I like laughs> and you'll this. hear and see this. But if you think it's going lower, say, get thrown off, and you'll hear and see that. Let's play. Wow. Grasso, let's effect. kick it off with you yeah. on Amazon. On Amazon. Keep on riding or you get thrown off? Keep on riding. This is, I've been Where's consistent on this. This is Where's the ball. Wait, okay. yeah, that's Wait what for you need. it. There you go. I, I've been bullish on this since dropped the last digit off of this. It's about $190. It's everything. It's retail. It's AWS. It's cloud space. It's tech space. So it's everything that you want to be in. It's the new tech. This is a, a marketplace and an index unto itself. Keep riding it. I, I, and I agree with that, but I have to push back and just say uh, we get all that for the last, you know, Three years, and it's been, or you know, since the bull market That's started, the last we saw 3, those. We saw the yes. <laughs> <laughs> Our Amazon's right. best days behind it. 
No, I don't, I don't think so. But, you know, if you look at it, every sale has been a bad sale. So to that yeah. point, though, if you get a little squeamish about valuation, I bought Alibaba. Okay, you get squeamish, right? I do get yeah, a little, especially a little about valuation. Well, That's the only it. thing I get squeamish about. Just don't look Most down at your tie say, and it won't happen. No, you, my tie you know, is 100% rayon, first of all. <laughs> is that a clip on? That's a Pierre Cardin. Just so we know. Hey, don't do anyway. that to Pierre. No, I, I'm <laughs> saying it's a nice time. Keep riding. Come on, man. But you're not one of these guys who buys the fact that Je Bezos can turn on profit whenever he yes. wants if Bezos, the market ever gets nervous about I mean, him. Of course, not yes, but here's the thing. Is Bezos gets the pass that Elon Musk is no longer getting. So right. he can continue to invest in different companies and invest in completely different industries. So, you know, I would say yeah, that no you pass. ride this He actually one. shows profit. He, well, he shows point. profit or he doesn't have to, too. Right. That's my point. So he's, right now, you keep on riding it because he's the one who's going to spur it on. Next up, Tim. Nice. See what I did with that? Yeah, that's it for me. And video, ride it or get off? Yeah, get off the bull. Get off Joe Cool. Wait for it, wait for it. Thank you. Remember that bull, Joe Cool? All right, so look, with NVIDIA, great story. Obviously, these guys have been on the cutting edge of some of the gaming chips. They certainly have exposure to Bitcoin and crypto, as Brian will point out. But bottom line here is there's a lot of competition. I think there's some questions about their current GPUs that are coming out for some of the new games. I think, you know, we've had such a tremendous run. Look at the stock. It's been Mired basically at the same level for the last eight months for a growth story at this valuation. I get off that bull. Remember the guy running for president from Vermont? I know, Michelle, you didn't vote Howard for him. Dean. Howard, Howard Dean. Howard Dean. Remember the oh, yeah. Remember that streamer? Oh, yeah. That's 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 election. That was the sound I mean, you just made. <laughs> I don't even oh, man. I guess that was guess the same. We don't need you tomorrow night. Yeah, that was your Howard Dean. It's going to be a Mimi thing. Guys, a Mimi. You have United Rentals. Keep United riding Rentals. or get thrown off. Have you ever been to the rodeo? Yes. No, no you lie like I know. a rug. You do have One when? of my first dates with my husband. He took me to Cheyenne and we went to the rodeo. He's a cool guy. Is that how you knew? Really? <laughs> <laughs> I won't tell you what they do to the bulls to make them buck. It's hey. not really important right oh, now. It's a Number family one. show. Number two, you are right. Yes, you ride that bull. So put up whatever graphic you want. I won't get. Yeehaw is right. And why is it yeehaw? Because you look at the last quarter. Pretty significant quarter. BDPS by a significant margin. Beat on the revenue front. Ten times forward earnings. The stock has sold off from March from 280 down to 240 ish. I think there's a lot of room here. So I'm get back on that sucker and ride it for the seven seconds it takes to get your score. Look, the the, the, the cosmetic <laughs> sector, essentially wellness, all this has been a great place to ride. Estee Lauder's numbers last week were fantastic. I, there's so much good news in this stock, buddy. United yeah, Rentals. Yeah, United yeah, Rentals. Follow oh, the show. Oh, Howard Cosmetics. Oh, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm looking at the price. Just uh, hang on. <laughs> yeah. Save that Stay and rewind it for what I saw. For the record, <laughs> for the record <laughs> I saw a bull riding competition in Fort Worth in March. So. You had to wow. think about that one now. I, Somebody I, in your rear telling you? No. This is I all gone bad here. Very all right, BK. How about Ulta Beauty? Ride or get well, we know what Tim oh, well, we know. We already know what Tim thinks. But you know what? I still ride this one. And here's why. Wait for it. This, oh, yeah. Wait for Okay. Hang on. Take all the time you need. There we go. That's very nice. I still ride it because this is one of those story stocks where you have this growth expansion. Every time keeps going. And then it had a little trouble because the growth slowed a bit. But now I think we've sold off enough that if we have an economy that's running and we're starting to see retail sales doing well, I think you can ride this one. Uh, Tim? Right. What do you think? What do you say? <laughs> all, all negative. All negative. You know, get off that bull. Come on. <laughs> all right. Still ahead. Netflix soaring today as the company says it's testing ads in some of its programming. Stock is still down more than 20% from its high, though. Could this be your best chance to buy? Plus, guy is stepping up to the plate. 
getting ready to pitch one oil stock that's up more than 150% over the last year. Find out what it is Fast Money Returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Time now for an instant replay. A little less than two weeks ago, Guy made a contrarian call on Nordstrom ahead of earnings. This is going to be crazy, and I know people are going to be like, you're out of your mind. How are you going to pitch a retail? But you know what? I'm going to pitch Nordstrom's. And why is that? Last quarter, the stock got obliterated on earnings. If you look, the stock came back from last quarter. It's bumping up against these levels that we've last seen over the last six months. I think, like some of these retail names, this sets up for a breakout to the upside. Wow, that nice job, was a great call. Boy, Nordstrom yeah. is up Ride nearly 20% since Guy's pitch. What do you think now about nice Nordstrom return. Guy? Well, now I think people are chasing, so you're in the chase phase. I think the shorts are probably covered. Now people that haven't been in retail are chasing it, so I think it has some room. But if you've enjoyed this run, and it's run, by the way, for the last you know three weeks or so, I think you got to pull the ripcord and take some profits. I mean, as the saying goes there, MCC, and you know this, Nobody ever went broke taking a profit. That's Remember that right. Saying? Yes. Exactly. I mean, All right. So you've had the hot hand. No. Head over onto the plasma. Give us another well, let me fast give you a pitch fast home pitch. run you idea. Know, do you know who's been over this energy space? MCC. I'm looking at the camera, but I'm talking to you. Tim Seymour's been on it for a while, and I got to tell you, one stock that we don't. Huh? <laughs> Alta. Alta. Yeah. Alta. Yeah, and no Alta Beauty is going to get you done on my fast pitch. Wrong. <laughs> Close. Holly Frontier. Symbol there is HFC. What are the reasons? Well, the stock has had a pretty big move. But on terms of valuation, it is a fair valuation. You're talking about a stock that's trading 10 and a half times or so next year's numbers. You have EPS growth of close to 40%, make $5.28 or so this year, due to make seven and change next year. And if you look at the last quarter, very good. Why? Operating margins. I'm just going to read this real quick. Operating margin per barrel this year, $10.21. Last year, same quarter, $5.72. That's a pretty significant uh, bump up, so they're running their businesses better. And what else do you have? Uh, earnings growth, I mentioned 36% earnings growth. You add all that up, better balance sheet than ExxonMobil, decent dividend, not great. I think you got a stock that's going to continue to go higher. Even if oil were to stay sideways to slightly lower, I think the move in HFC continues to the upside. So I think you're going to see a breakout above these levels that we last saw here. And I think we break out to all-time highs over the next weeks into the fall. So that's why I'm power pitching MCC HFC. Stevie Grasso, you got a question for Guy? I do. So you just said if oil stays sideways or slightly lower, what happens if oil explodes and that is an input cost for these guys? Are you nervous about that with all geopolitical tensions? I want to get into, well, I'm going to say this. We talked about rodeos before. The crack spreads are still favorable for their refining business. So if oil were to spike, I think you would still have the right differential without getting too in the weeds here. I think that's a fair question. I don't see oil exploding to the upside, but I do see oil going slightly higher over the next couple of months. So if you're talking about an existential risk, that would be it. I don't see it happening. All right. Time to vote. Are you guys buying guys pitch on Holly Frontier? Tim. I feel terrible. I think Alta's a great company, but I mean, no, I'm not kidding. Um, I, I'm a seller, and not because I don't like the energy space, but they had a really messy second quarter. Meanwhile, guy, guy complimented me. I feel bad, guy. What's the asterisk for? A, is there the, is like the a caveat? The asterisk is that I actually like energy names here, as he pointed out, but not this one. All right. Mm. BK. 
you know what? I'm a buyer. I buy most of what Guy's saying here, but also I like the risk-reward. Bounced off $68. I know exactly where my stop is. So even if something happens to oil that would be bad for Holly Frontier, I know where I can get out. So buy. Steve, I wish my uncle was Dick Grasso. That's right. Spot on on that one. <laughs> I'm going to go with the buy side as well. I think guys nailed this one. I'm, I'm, I'm bullish on energy. I think if oil sits here and moves sideways, I think this one is definitely a buy. I do get nervous, though, if oil does spike higher. Are these like devil things? No, what bull horns. Bull I was going to start, but I'm okay. so, so right. Thank <laughs> right. you. Got it. Good job, Guy. All right, we want to hear from you. Vote in our Twitter poll at CNBC Fast Money. We're going to reveal the results later in the show, what you think of Guy's fast pitch. Plus, do you want to win $25 million just for playing video games? Well, a handful of eSports teams are going to be competing to do just that in a tournament this weekend. We've got those details right after the break. Welcome back to Fast Money. There's a $25 million battle for eSports supremacy going on right now. It's the biggest cash prize ever for one of these competitions. Eric Chemi's getting his game on back at headquarters and breaking it down for us. Hi, Eric. That's right, Michelle. Today, just a few hours ago, began a $25 million tournament for Defense of the Ancients 2, known by fans as Dota 2. It's a tournament called the International, and that $25 million figure reflects the biggest prize ever for an esports tournament. It's actually the second time this tournament has set the esports prize record. What's most interesting about the money, though, is it comes almost entirely from the fans at $23 million and still counting. The money is raised using in-game microtransactions from people playing the game at home. The game's developer, a company called Valve, contributes only $1.6 million per year for the tournament. This is the eighth annual version of the tournament with prize money hitting $10 million four years ago. So to give you a sense for how big $25 million is, compare that to the $53 million total prize money at the U.S. Open tennis tournament that's starting next week. And that money is being split among hundreds of competitors across men's and women's singles and doubles tournaments. The International will have only 18 teams competing, with the winning team of five people taking home $11 million. The tournament is underway right now in Vancouver. Back to you, Michelle. Wow, amazing stuff, Eric. So what does it take to play video games for $25 million? We'll let Victor Goosens tell us all about it. He's the founder and CEO of Team Liquid, last year's defending champs and one of the world's oldest esports teams. Welcome, Victor. Good to have you on. You guys going to win this year? Uh, thank you for having me. Um, so we're going to try our best. We are actually the defending champions from last year. Um, this is our world championships. This is the moment of the year. And our players have actually been uh, preparing for this for six weeks straight. Um, they came to the Netherlands. We did a training camp there for three and a half weeks. After finishing that, they flew to Vancouver. Um, they practiced for another 10 days there to get accustomed to the time zone, accustomed to the atmosphere. Uh, make sure they are used to the food, and this week is uh, is when it all begins. Victor, call me crazy, but you know I understand marathoners who want to adjust to the you know the climate, or but even sitting to play video games, you got to do all that. Absolutely, come on. I, I, we'll let Victor. Yeah, answer. yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot at stake here, and and we treat our our business very seriously. Um, even though they're they're just games for us, it's a sport, it's a competition, and you you cannot risk being tired or jet lagged or or uh, get sick from uh, uh, adjusting to the air. And and so we make sure to plan everything in, into the finest detail. 
Hey, Victor, it's Tim. Thanks for joining us. I, I think, you know, I went to the Overwatch at the Barclays Center, so I, I've seen a lot of this stuff firsthand and how rabid the fan base is. Talk about esports competing with traditional sports. In, in other words, my sense is that half the people in that arena were much happier there than watching the NBA Finals. Yeah, absolutely. I've been doing this for a long time. I actually founded Team Liquid 18 years ago, and it hasn't always been this way. So it's it's an absolute pleasure um, to see how much esports has grown and how enthusiastic the fans are. Um, to be honest, like I, I love watching uh, traditional sports as well, and, and I don't see it as a competition at all. I think there's place for both. Hey, Victor, it's Brian Kelly. I'm curious, we call this eSports, but to me there's an element of entertainment to this where somebody like a Disney might want to come in and use this uh, you know, for their theme parks. Are you seeing any traditional entertainment or media companies getting into the space? Uh, absolutely. Um, in fact, Disney has a small investment into Axiomatic, which is the Team Liquid mother company. Um, Axiomatic has uh, uh, shareholders that are Famous NBA owners, NHL owners like Peter Gubert, Ted Leonsis, Jeff Vinnick. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's definitely the right space for them. Huge names. Absolutely. Even I recognize them. So thank you, Victor. <laughs> it was great to have you on. We really wish you the best of luck that you take home the big prize. Yeah, go get them. All right, thank guys. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Let's trade this. How do you trade the, this eSports phenomenon? Well, and, and again, so, and Disney, it, they aired Overwatch for the first time. You had a network TV and ESPN teaming up to show the finals the, you know, a few weeks back. So um, obviously the take-twos of the world, the electronic arts, are, are some ways to play it. Um, Brian talked about maybe some of the media names. I, I still think that Tencent is the granddaddy of all the gaming companies in the world. The stock's been beaten up. That's the name I think you jump into here. I think you could still play Electronic Arts. I think you'd also play NVIDIA. I mean, you need these gaming chips. They have to be faster. Uh -huh. There's a, these chips are older. There's a refresh cycle with these chips. And these gamers are looking for any edge. So it's the chip space. It's Electronic Arts. It's Activision Blizzard. Yeah, so, I mean, I'll echo the EO, but I'll add the Disney to that. I mean, I still think that this is such a natural combination. Not only is Disney getting onto the ESPN side, but now you can have theme parks built around it or rides built around it. Everything else they do, it's such a natural fit. So I think this could be a real boost for Disney. It's no rodeo guy. <laughs> no, it's not, as you well know. There are a few things I take away. There's a great line in the movie, The Rock, Sean Connery. I know you never saw it. I would encourage you to do so. It didn't have subtitles, but I digress about trying your best. You should Google that, number one. Forget about trying your best. Do your best. Number two, Take-Two Interactive. You should take Google that. You'll know what I'm talking about. Take-Two is that, you know, valuation is extended. Stock seems to be breaking out to the upside. Uh -huh. And I know you're a closet gamer. You're like one of those Fortnite people. <laughs> like, tonight after the show, you put your headphones on and you go, like, you know. There's Wild. things in my closet, but there ain't gaming in there. Wow. All right. Thank you. Coming Still up, Netflix it. soaring, as the company says, it's <laughs> testing ads with the stocks. Still in a bear market. Now the time to buy. Plus, let's get a sneak peek into the Mad Money studio with our Kramer cam. Ooh. Tonight, Jim has three sleeper stocks he says are about to make a major comeback. Those names at the top of the hour. More fast. Still ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. Netflix getting a boost today as the streaming site announces it's testing out new ad placements for its original programming. Let's get to Julia Borston, who's out in Los Angeles. She's got the details. Hey, Julia. 
Hey, Michelle, that's right. Now, Netflix is careful to say these are not commercial breaks, but rather personalized promos that are skippable between episodes of shows and just one of hundreds of tests that Netflix does every year. Now, in the past, Netflix CEO Reed Hastings has said the company would not run traditional ads. Now the company tells us, quote, we are testing whether surfacing recommendations between episodes helps members discover stories they will enjoy faster. Now, some subscribers have complained with a number taking to Twitter, complaining about the interruption of their binge watching, and a couple of Reddit threads have popped up with thousands of comments already on the topic. Now, this comes as we get new data on another headache for Netflix, along with its rivals, Amazon Prime Video and Hulu, subscribers sharing accounts. Research firm Magid tells CNBC that an estimated 35% of millennials have access streaming services through sharing passwords. Now, that's compared to 19% of Gen X subscribers and 13% of baby boomers. Now, perhaps the biggest issue here with that mass of younger users is that they could get used to accessing the service for free. Plus, there's hundreds of millions of dollars in potential revenue lost both now and down the line. Now, back in 2016, Reed Hastings said password sharing wasn't a problem. They weren't concerned. But we'll have to watch and see if Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon start enforcing stricter rules about the number of streams and the number of devices that can access any one account. Guys, back over to you. All right. Thank you, Julia. So, today's rally a sign that the worst is over for Netflix? What do you think, guys? Ne well, I mean, the worst Tim is over. Seymour. Let's face it, this company's been on a tear. So you have to, you know, you have to be clear. I, I'm not a fan of it. And for a lot of this move, I've been, you know, obviously very wrong. I will say this. Um, Netflix, they don't really care what they're hearing from their investors because they're watching their every move. They're going to see the reaction. They're, this is why Netflix is both fascinating and why I think on some level they're at risk because they are, they've got as much data on you as Facebook. Bottom line is this valuation to me makes zero sense. It, the valuation has never made sense, but it's a growth stock. And I've seen these ads. They're not, they're not disruptive. You can skip them. So if it gets worse, maybe it'll be a little more disruptive, but it's not disruptive at this point. I think they will figure it out. But the bears have had a win as of recently. The stock has hit, hit a certain level here. It's around 300 to 308. That's probably the, where, the place where the bulls stepped in. So I think they'll figure it out, but maybe there'll be a little bit of squishiness. Tim loves that word, squishiness, <laughs> in the short term. term. Yeah, I, listen, the, the bounce off to 320 is a really interesting high entry point. If you like the stock, I think it's great risk-reward. Options traders are betting on even more gains for Netflix. Let's go to Mike Coe out in San Francisco. He's got more. Hey, Mike. Hi there. Yeah, so Netflix did see about two times the average daily call volume. Most of that was short dated. The most active options were actually the weekly 330 calls. When I was looking at these earlier today, about 13,500 of those had traded at an average price of just over $3. So those are bullish bets that is going to be higher than that 330 strike price by at least the three bucks they paid or above 333 by the end of the week. And by the end of the day, even more of them traded. Top five options in the name were all call options, and it was probably the sixth most active single stock option today. All right. Thank you, Mike Coe. More options action. You can check out the full show Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Anybody got more to say on Mike Coe? No, you got to go to break. Oh, oh, we got final trade coming up next. 530 Tell me one Friday. more comment. We're going to break. You hear the music playing. I mean, you know how to do this. Ride the bolt. <laughs> Well, the results of the Twitter poll for Guys Fast Pitch were so bad, we couldn't even play our usual Tony Braxton. 
Celine Dion it is. Oh, wow. God's losing the vote. It's so Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.